It's a simple question. Is there anyone else on this roster outside of Brian Burns who can produce at the other edge rusher spot? I'll tell you right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we're still in off-season mode here on the show. But starting on July 17th, we'll be back to your team every day. Our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays, starting on the 21st again, I'll be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions into me. Now, today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. We are back. Continuing our position evaluations heading into 2023 season. We are only three weeks away in 21 days. The Carolina Panthers will start training camp down in Spartanburg, South Carolina on the campus of Wofford College. And it cannot get here soon enough. I'm ready to actually talk about what's going on on the field. We're going to continue to preview what we think may happen with the certain players that are in each position group. And today... It's a big one. We're going to talk about the edge rushers. A big question we have had all offseason long is there enough talent opposite of Brian Burns on this roster? Now, there may be enough talent, but are they actually going to produce to the level that a lot of people here in Carolina would like for them to produce this upcoming season? So can anyone other than Brian Burns step up there at outside linebacker and wreak havoc in this new 3-4 scheme that Jero Rivera was brought to Carolina. So we'll get into that momentarily, but we're talking about the biggest story and the biggest name here in this group, and it is obviously Brian Burns. Back-to-back seasons, he's been a pro bowler. Last year, a career-high 12.5 sacks, 17 tackles for loss. Back in 2021, when Hassan Reddick was here, he had nine sacks, 13 tackles for loss. Back-to-back Pro Bowls for Brian Burns, who has been phenomenal. And he's been one of the few things over the last couple of seasons that you could write home about and feel really good about with the Carolina Panthers. And he's one player that you looked at and said, man, If we ever get out of this, that is the guy who can help us get out of it, and that's the guy that we want to build around here in Carolina. The Carolina Panthers have had so many opportunities to ship Brian Burns off. Last year during the trade deadline, a lot of people were asking, oh, is this going to be a fire sale in Carolina? The Panthers said, no, we're good. You can keep your two first-round picks. We want Brian Burns. We need Burns here. Scott Fritter even said that Burns is going to be here when we talk about contract negotiations and when is that going to happen and going into the draft. The Panthers had a chance where they could have traded Brian Burns when they traded DJ Moore and a bunch of picks to move up to number one to bring in Bryce Young. And then at that point in time, they said no to sending Brian Burns. They said no to sending Derek Brown, but they did say yes to sending DJ Moore. But Brian Burns very clearly is someone the Carolina Panthers want here for the long term and really need here in the long term. Just when you look at this position group 
and the kind of production that they've gotten out of guys not named Brian Burns over the last couple of seasons when you ignore, well, excluding what Hassan Reddick did in 2021, where he's tremendous, and of course he was really good last year in Philadelphia. Brian Burns is probably the best player on this defense. You can argue, if healthy, maybe J.C. Horn is, Jeremy Chin, his versatility. I don't really know if it's that much of an argument right now that Brian Burns is the best player on the Carolina Panthers defense, and he has shown it time and time again over the last couple seasons, especially the last two years where he has been a pro bowler. And because he's been a pro bowler the last two seasons, you start to ask yourself, all right, is this the year Brian Burns becomes an all-pro? When you look at how he's really the only proven commodity at outside linebacker, that edge rusher spot going into the season, he's the one that a lot of defenses are going to pay a lot of attention on. And if he, like last season, is able to overcome that and have a double-digit sack season, which I expect him to do, and if he gets maybe 15, 16 sacks, then do we start talking about Brian Burns being a second-team, a first-team All-Pro for the first time in his career? Because he's playing at that level to where he can be that. And if the Panthers are a better team this year, like I think they can be, like when talking about Derrick Brown on Monday, could Brian Burns end up being able to get recognition that he did not get in the past, even though he's gotten it by being a Pro Bowler. Whatever you want to think about Pro Bowlers and, you know, some guys dropping out of the Pro Bowl games and other guys being in it and then getting a Pro Bowler recognition, Brian Burns has earned it for sure. But Derek Brown, he hasn't gotten an opportunity yet, even though he was a fantastic last year. Brian Burns has gotten the recognition. But is he respected across the league as one of the best pass rushers in the game so far? I don't know if he's there yet, but this year could be the year for guys like him, Derek Brown, J.C. Horn on this defense, Jeremy Chen as well, to really introduce themselves to the league on what I believe will be a far more competitive football team in 2023. So is this the year where Brian Burns becomes an All-Pro? Also, when's the man going to get paid? Knowing that he could be an All-Pro level player, or at least go to the Pro Bowl for a third consecutive year, the Carolina Panthers are going to have to pay him. And they've already said that Burns is going to be here, that they're going to get it done. And going out of OTA's mandatory minicamp, the talk was, all right, we're going to we're gonna spend a little time to kind of relax, and then we'll catch our breath. Now, it was around this time, a year ago, exactly the day where the Carolina Panthers traded for Baker Mayfield. So this could be around the time where the Carolina Panthers decide that, hey, we want to go out there and decide to give Brian Burns this money that he rightfully deserves. Now, what would that contract be? look like potentially well what will that contract look like potentially you look at spot track the place of contracts his market value according to them is four years 73 million dollars average salary of 18 million dollars they are way off on what i believe brian burns is going to get here in carolina and that's not even think about the fact that they got to trade him multiple times they turned down multiple first round picks in order to keep burns here like you can obviously that's gonna be part of the conversation but you can really ignore that look at the numbers and look at the contracts and the deals that guys have signed that are similar to Brian Burns, or at least have played at a lower level than Brian Burns has over the course of his four-year career. Bradley Chubb was traded from Denver, where he was a top-10 pick out of NC State. Fine player there. Now in Miami, the Dolphins just gave him a five-year, $110 million deal with a $22 million average annual value. You go back a year ago, Max Crosby, same draft class as Brian Burns, received a four-year $94 million deal, which gives him $23.5 million average annual value. When you compare what Burns has done so far to Chubb, Chubb has 28.5 sacks in 56 games in five seasons. He's twice been a pro bowler like Brian Burns. Brian Burns 
has 38 sacks in 64 games in four seasons played, and again has been a pro bowler two times like Bradley Chubb. So in shorter time as far as seasons accrued, Brian Burns has played more games and had more sacks and been more productive than Bradley Chubb, who just was handed $110 million last November by the Miami Dolphins. Now, we see all that money. I don't know. But the average annual value is $22 million a year. Max Crosby, who has had 37 and a half sacks and played in 66 games over the last four seasons, so very close to what Brian Burns has done. Um, two more games, half a sack less, basically the same production. He's been a Pro Bowler multiple times, really good player, great story too, especially with sobriety and all that going out there in Las Vegas. Good for Max Crosby, $23.5 million average annual value. So that contract was before Chubb, and Chubb got more money guaranteed, but his average annual value was less. Brian Burns has produced more than Chubb, and at the same level of Crosby is going to want to have an average annual value right above what Max Crosby received. He's also going to want a contract that's worth more than Bradley Chubb's. So when you're looking at it, we're talking about five years, what, $115, million, $20 million, maybe even more than that. And you look at what Miles Garrett gets as the best edge rusher in football. He's getting $25 million per year, average annual value. Brian Burns, based on what he's done in the previous contracts, could be looking at a $25 million per year deal on average. And he rightfully deserves it. He should be getting more than Chubb, and he probably should be getting right at the same or just above Crosby just based off of when he's receiving his contract. Chubb received more money after Crosby, after being a lesser player in more time than Crosby. Well, Burns is now waiting to get his deal, and I'm sure that Nick Bosa out there in San Francisco is waiting to see what Burns' deal is going to look like. Do not be surprised if and when Brian Burns gets $24, $25 million a year. He absolutely deserves it. He has been phenomenal here in Carolina, and I believe that this season will be the first season that he is right there in contention to be an all-pro in the National Football League. That's how good he is, and that's how much the Carolina Panthers need him here and really need him to produce at a high level, and I expect that to happen. But Brian Burns, as I've been telling you all for weeks, is about to get paid. So we know that Brian Burns is about to get paid, and we – don't know much about anyone else on this roster and what they're going to provide. Last season was okay. The sack total went down. Panthers have not added another veteran, and there's all those questions surrounding that. Is there someone who's going to start opposite of Brian Burns that will actually produce at the level the Carolina Panthers need them to produce at, at that other edge rusher spot? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to make sure that you're 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Once you do, make sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find a qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
It's time to get back into one of our favorite conversations of the offseason. Who's going to start opposite of Brian Burns? And can the Panthers actually depend on that player to go out and to produce at a high level? Going into last season, we had the same conversation. Who's going to start at the other edge rusher spot? Who's going to replace Hassan Reddick, who told us on Super Bowl media night there on that Monday in Arizona that, well, the Panthers... Yeah, they had other plans, and those plans, of course, did not come to fruition as Deshaun Watson gave him the Heisman for the second straight year in a row and decided to sign in Cleveland. Whatever, good riddance, but Hassan Reddick was a fantastic player for the Carolina Panthers in 2021. The Panthers had two guys that you looked at and really hoped would be here for the long term. Now, going out of that season, I didn't really feel like Reddick would be here in Carolina. The Panthers were fortunate enough to get him on that $7 million deal they got him for in 2021 when he was coming off of his best year in Arizona. But the year prior, the Cardinals decided to not exercise his fifth-year option and allowing him to be a free agent following his fourth year there in Arizona where he blew up. And it was one of the deals where a lot of teams didn't seem to be all that interested for whatever reason, at least at the price that Reddick probably wanted. And now you look at it, deserved, because he's amazing. Uh, so he ends up here in Carolina with his former head coach back in college in Temple in a uh, Matt Rule, former D.C. and Phil Snow. He comes in and has a massive year for the Panthers with 11 sacks. And you look at that 2021 season, the Panthers overall had 39 sacks. 11 of them came from Hassan Reddick, nine from Brian Burns, three and a half from Etor Grossmatos, who had two and a half in one game against Buffalo, and Marquise Haynes had three. The Panthers also collectively had 156 pressures. 33 of those came from Reddick, 31 from Burns, eight from Haynes, seven from Frankie Louvu, and seven from Etor Grossmatos as well. And those are all numbers brought to you by Pro Football Reference. Last season, while Hassan Reddick went to Philadelphia and had a phenomenal year heading, helping his hometown team get to the Super Bowl, the Panthers only had 35 sacks. So only a four-sack drop-off, and not as big when you think about you lost a guy who went on to have 16 sacks, who had double-digit sacks for you the year prior. Not a major dip on the surface. Burns had 12.5 sacks. Luvu had seven sacks in his first time as a full-time starter in the National Football League. Haynes had a career year with five sacks in gross mottos. Went down from three and a half to two and a half sacks last year, but the pressure rate dropped. The Panthers went from 156 pressures to 129 pressures in 2022. 30 of those coming from Brian Burns, who was pretty much the same guy, had 31 the year prior, 30 last year, 16 from Haynes, who doubled his output from 8 to 16. Then Luvu pretty much doubled his as well. He went from 7 to 13, and in gross mottos, had 11 after having 7 the year prior. So those all those guys played better in a bigger role, especially Luvu, who I don't think anyone looked at as someone who's going to come in and be a big-time pass rusher for the Carolina Panthers of his seven sacks and his 13 pressures a year ago. So you look at those numbers, and yeah, they dropped off by four sacks, and pressures certainly went down, which is to be expected when you don't have a player like Hassan Reddick or a veteran. But overall, they weren't nearly as threatening as they were when they had both Burns and Reddick for defenses to account for, and two guys who combined for 20 sacks and had the whole golf cart competition, which, of course, Hassan Reddick won. Now, when you look at the numbers that Reddick put up last year by himself and then compare those to the numbers that Haynes, Luvu, and Gross Matos collectively put up together, it's pretty similar. Reddick had 16 sacks, 41 pressures. Haynes, Luvu, and Gross Matos combined had 14 and a half sacks and 40 pressures. So, one and a half more sacks for Hassan Reddick by himself. 
and one more pressure by himself, that is Hassan Reddick. So you look at it, it's like, okay, well, you think about what Reddick did last season playing in Philadelphia. The Panthers were able, with three guys, to match that productivity. So that's a good thing. But then you also think about how the defense is now going to be more of a 3-4 scheme, and it's I don't really know what it's going to look like for Frankie Louvu, but the expectation is that he'll be more of an inside backer with Shaq Thompson. And I'm sure with his talent and the way that they can be flexible in the 3-4 scheme, that he'll get opportunities to rush the pass rusher or rush the passer, especially after what he did last year. But we're just looking at two guys who are strictly outside linebackers. Haynes and Gross Matos, their numbers combined last year were seven and a half sacks in 27 pressures. So when you combine the numbers of two guys who are going to strictly be outside linebackers to what Hassan Brady did last year, then you see a major drop-off for the Carolina Panthers, which is why I have concern, even though Luvu's still on the roster. I feel like the Panthers should be in the market for a veteran. I thought Leonard Floyd would have made sense. I never really thought about Frank Clark. We got Melvin Ingram still out there. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, who's changed agents, is still available. Has a history of Frank Reich last year in Indianapolis. There's uh, Jadavion Clowney. There's plenty of guys still available who the Panthers could bring on who could fit a 3-4 scheme. They just have not done that so far, and I'm not sure whether they will. Now, I did have someone who hit me up on Twitter, at Julian Council, which you can still do if you guys want to just send me questions, who want to ask me something for the mailbag. I told him mailbag's not until the 21st, but I will get to your question once we address the edge rusher position uh, in that show, which here we are right now addressing it. He was saying that he felt like I had a skewed view of Marquise Haynes, saying that if you look at his usage, that you'll be more impressed if you just look at the numbers by itself. Okay, so I did look at Marquise's Haynes' Marquise Haynes' usage over the last couple of seasons, looking at pro football reference, their snap counts, and what he did statistically over the last couple of years. Now, go back to last year. One of the things I brought up about Marquise Haynes that has concerned me just about what he did was he didn't record a sack until week 10 in that Thursday night game against the Falcons, where he ended the game effectively with those two sacks on Marcus Mariota. So awesome that he was able to do that. But where were you the first nine weeks of the season? He had zero sacks in seven pressures. Then from weeks 10 to 18, Five sacks, nine pressures. He got home. He was effective. And it wasn't just him. It was Luvu as well, who started getting more sacks in the second half of the season. And the Panthers overall really were able to develop more of a pass rush in the final half of the season back in um, 2022. And I do wonder, and I've brought this up many times before, was it injury-related? If you go back to the back together again Saturday, uh, the first Saturday of training camp, Haynes suffered a knee injury, might have even been a couple days before that, suffered a knee injury where he was day-to-day, comes back, didn't really seem to that affect him that much. When you look at his numbers in the first half to the second half, I feel like he may have been injured. So if he was injured the first nine weeks and he finally got healthy, then maybe what he did in the final eight weeks is really what he can do, or final nine weeks rather, is what he actually is in the NFL. Maybe it's not, because if you look at his usage, in 2022, Marquis Haynes played 470 snaps, of the available defensive snaps in games he played, that's what he played. So he played 470 snaps and 41% of the available defensive snaps in the games that he appeared in. Again, had five sacks, seven tackles for loss, combined for 16 pressures a year ago. 
In 2021, he only played 223 snaps and 21% of the available defensive snaps in the games that he played. In 2020, 390 snaps and 39% of the defensive snaps that were available in the games he played. 2019, 209 snaps, 27% of the available defensive snaps in games that he played. So he's averaged in the last four years, not going to count his rookie year where he barely played, but the last four years, he's averaged 32% of defensive snaps that he's in the games that he's played in and averaged over that time 3.25 sacks and 3.75 tackles for loss. So let's assume that he does become the starter and he plays about 60-70% of the snaps. We're just going to double that total. If that's the case, he still is at about six sacks and about seven tackles for loss. Is that enough? That would only be one more sack than he put up a year ago, and it would be right at the same tackle for loss that he put on. Like, just on average, that is what he's done. He's played about 30% of the snaps available to him in the games that he's played. He's had about three sacks and just shy of four tackles for loss per season. And that's in his usage. So it feels like in his usage where he's not playing that much, yes, he's getting a couple sacks, but it's not like he's making like a massive impact on the game. And last year where he played the most he's played in his career – he was in my A for the first half of the season. Maybe it's injury-related. Maybe it's not. I'm not quite sure. So, yes, we did see more out of Haynes in the second half of the season. We did see some things that would make you feel good about him rotationally as a pass rusher. But are you confident that him or Grossmatos or any of the two younger guys, Amari Barno or DJ Johnson, are going to produce at the level that is going to match what you need opposite of Brian Burns? For me right now, I am not, which is why I feel like they could – possibly add a veteran. Now, overall, for the Panthers, they seem to have a more effective pass rush. If you look over the last couple seasons, the Panthers are ranked 23rd, 15th, and 25th in sacks. That's not good enough, especially after they ranked second back in 2019 when they had 53 sacks. They also had a veteran defensive line that year. They also played in a 3-4 scheme, so maybe going back to more of a traditional 3-4 will help them. It also will help if they are able to develop these guys and have guys like Haynes, Gross Matos, Johnson, and Barno have the best years of their career, or if they bring in a veteran. So just overall, the Panthers need to be better against better getting after the passer because they just have not been that over the last couple of seasons, and it would certainly help the secondary where you've had injuries. Two guys like Chen last year, of course, both the corners, J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson. So it's not just Burns, but it's other guys who've got to step up and get after the passer better this upcoming season. So those are some of the numbers that we saw from guys last year, just comparing the production that Reddick had last season, also in his only season in Carolina, to what those guys have done last year and back in 2021, and what you probably can expect heading into this year, just based off of what we've seen. But I'm sure Jero Averro has some great things schematically you can draw up to get guys like Haynes to really maximize their talents and ability to get after the passer this upcoming season. So we'll see how that works out. So there's a other guys on this roster who potentially could be um, in the mix there at outside linebacker. We'll talk about them and also look at who may get pushed out. The Panthers do indeed decide to bring in a veteran edge rusher. All that coming up in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. All right, let's look at the rest of the group. We know what the expectations are for Brian Burns, be a pro or again, maybe even be an all pro, especially after he gets this bag. Marquise Haynes, I, for me, my expectation for him moving forward is get six sacks and eight tackles for loss. And if you get the seven, that's great. I am not expecting Haynes to go from a guy who had five sacks last year and 40%, 41% of the available snaps that he played um, to go from that to eight or nine. If he, goes, if he goes eight or nine, that'd be great. But I would expect maybe seven. 
seven sacks, maybe 10 tackles for loss, get some pressures. That would help for the Carolina Panthers. If you could match it, I mean, pretty much match what Lou did last year, that would be positive for the team, especially if that's what they're going to go into the season doing with him as the other starter opposite of Brian Burns. He's also played five years. This is year six. It's time to see it. Now, I have said in the past that I feel like at this point in time, he kind of is who he is when you look at the numbers and the opportunities have been given, but he has a chance to get more of an opportunity. He also has to earn that over the period of time during training camp if he even gets an opportunity to earn it before the Panthers decide that, hey, we need to address that position. And they have said multiple times that they want to. Now, DJ Johnson, as a rookie, I don't know what the expectation would be for him, but it'd be hard for me to believe that a guy that hasn't played that much as an edge rusher back in college is going to come into the NFL and make an immediate impact, especially with a guy like Tim Lukabu, who's the outside linebackers coach, who's coming over from college at Boston College and is a first-time role on NFL staff as an outside linebacker coach. So we'll see how it works out. Just got to temper expectations just based on what we saw last year. And it was wild to me, not wild, but it was interesting to me that they decided not to bring anyone in uh, as a veteran whether that was they were able to or not. And it's also a little bit interesting to me when you see the dip in the sacks and pressure rate last season that they have not necessarily addressed that with a veteran up to, to this point in time. And I don't know whether they were in on Clark or in on Floyd. It has not happened yet. It could still happen. We will see. All right, looking at the rest of the group, we got Burns, got Haynes, Gross Matos, who is in a situation where he's going from being a down lineman. He was given the opportunity when they cut Morgan Fox last offseason to be the starter there at a defensive end spot and just did not produce at the level that they need him to. Now he's playing what feels like out of position. Now Burns has said positive things about him. So is Lukabu. A lot of folks have come out and said that he's been doing a good job. But Frank Reich told us, we don't know until the pads come on. So when the pads come on, what does Gross Models look like? standing up as a 3-4 outside linebacker. By the way, congratulations on your engagement, Etor. Um, but I don't have that much confidence heading into the year based off of what he's done as a down lineman to now what he's going to do standing up as an outside linebacker. Bar Amari Barno, uh, fourth-round pick, right? Fourth or fifth-round pick? Yeah, fifth-round pick, I think, out of Virginia Tech a year ago. Only played in 51 snaps in 2022. That was 9% of the available defensive snaps available to him in the games that he played. Not much of an impact at all. Looked like he could have had some shown some signs during the preseason a year ago but the Panthers decided hey we just don't see enough out of him to really give him an opportunity to play more last season now we got DJ Johnson who the Panthers just drafted they move up from 93 to 80 kid out of Oregon originally is at Miami played tight end became an outside linebacker um, was honorable mention Pac-12 last year good athlete but an older player gonna be 25 this year and doesn't have a lot of time to really get caught up in into the NFL game because by the time his rookie deals up it's gonna be 29 and the Panthers are gonna really hope that what they've developed is a damn good player who can help them for you know three more seasons as he gets up into his 30s I wouldn't have a high expectation just based off he's still someone who's developing into an edge rusher and doing it at the high, highest level that's gonna be difficult to ask Get Echo Leota also who played at Auburn last year solid player at outside linebacker it would be Good for him, I think, if he's able to make the practice squad. I do think that's a good chance that he would be a practice squad player for the Carolina Panthers and someone that they could develop. Now, I do have a question. If the Panthers do end up bringing in a veteran, who does that push out? Burns is going to be on the roster. Haynes is going to be on the roster. And it would probably be best for the Panthers if they did have a quality veteran they can bring in and didn't have that guy with Haynes. If you compare those two, I feel a lot better. 
even if you're bringing in a guy like Melvin Ingram just to give you maybe seven sacks, if he's giving you seven and Haynes is giving you seven, you got 14. And you got Burns over there maybe getting you 14, 15 by himself. That's a good situation. And you got guys like Derek Brown is trying to develop into a pass rusher. The other sacks that you might get from a guy like Ross Matos if he's still on the roster. Um, same thing if you get out of Luvu. That works out to where, hey, you could be looking at getting actually 40-plus sacks next season up from what they did last year and even from the year prior when they had both Burns and Reddick here in Carolina. But they do bring in a veteran. I do wonder. You know, Burns on the roster, uh, Haynes on the roster, Barno maybe. I wouldn't say Solidly is on the roster. Uh, Johnson will be, and I think Leota is probably someone who's going to be bound for the practice squad if the Panthers are able to sign him there. He's not get picked up by somebody else. Um, but it comes down to gross models and Barno, probably more gross models entering his last year, and he's someone that we talked to Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer uh, to. Uh, we talked to about gross models uh, with Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer a couple weeks ago, and he was saying how that could be someone that the Panthers decide to trade because just naturally he's not really a scheme fit. No matter what they say, he's just naturally not a scheme fit. He could end up being one, but right now on the outside looking in and even people who watch practice doesn't really feel like he necessarily fits into what they want to do moving forward. Could he be someone who gets traded and then the Panthers bring in a veteran to go into that slot? I don't know if they would want to give up on a Barno already. They did draft Johnson could that be telling you that they are more interested in developing Johnson, that this new coaching staff likes him more than they like Amari Barno? It's not like they've seen a lot of Barno heading into the draft. Not quite sure, but I would think that maybe Barno, probably more likely gross models would be the guys that kind of get pushed out if the Panthers do decide to bring in a veteran, if that's what they want to have um, only five. Now, they could want to carry – they may want to carry six outside linebackers – but we'll see what it looks like. So that's something I still think the Carolina Panthers should look at addressing um, over the next couple of weeks heading into training camp, whether they should bring in someone to give Brian Burns a little bit of help and just to um, kind of you know raise the floor of this outside linebacker edge group, rusher group here in Carolina. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I'll be back on the 21st for the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. Participate, but first, again, follow me at Julian Council. In the meantime, be safe. Be happy, be whole, as always, keep pounding, and I'll be back on Friday. Again, no mailbag, I'll be back on Friday, because we're going to be talking about the linebackers, baby. Frankie Lufu was awesome last year. Shaq is back, all that coming up here on Friday on Locked On Panthers.